Thank you for joining us for another informative, educational, and entertaining edition of Music and Medicine with Dr. Charles Modlin, kidney transplant surgeon, board-certified urologist, public speaker, and well-known community national leader for the elimination of health disparities, dedicated to informing you, the listening audience, about important health topics and health information that you, your family, and your community need to know while at the same time providing you with quality entertainment because music and entertainment is medicine. Dr. Marlin's co-hosts are Jerome Brown and registered nurse Jonathan Branch. And the program often includes special content expert guests. So, without further ado, here is the host of the show, Dr. Charles Marlin. How's everybody doing out there in the listening audience? I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in and joining us for another educational and entertaining uh, program this evening of music and medicine. We have uh, some very special guests on this evening. Uh, as you can see behind me, October 29th is World Stroke Day. So one of uh, our topics of discussion this evening is going to be centered around uh, stroke, especially in minority African-American populations. And we're going to be speaking uh, with uh, some uh, researchers from University Hospital, Case Western uh, Reserve University, uh, about a, a stroke research project that they're doing in concert in collaboration with the Metro Health Medical uh, Center here in, in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, but before we get started, I wanted to, to uh, uh, make a couple points uh, about a very important topic that has been causing some hysteria in the community. I'm, I'm getting approached by a, a number of individuals almost on a daily basis. Uh, and we're gonna have a dedicated show about the topic of monkeypox, but I just wanted to, to say uh, a few words about it. Not everybody, uh, the CDC doesn't necessarily recommend that everybody out there go get vaccinated uh, for monkeypox. And I just wanted to highlight uh, some of the recommendations from the CDC. Um, the, so the CDC uh, it says at this time, uh, data suggests that gay, bisexual, and other men who have had sex with men uh, make up the majority of cases of the current monkeypox outbreak. However, anyone, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, who has been in close personal contact with somebody who has monkeypox pox is at risk. Um, so again, not everybody has to rush out and, and get vaccinated for monkeypox. Um, vaccinations are available free at, of, of charge at uh, uh, your public health uh, department. So monkeypox can spread to anyone through close personal, often skin-to-skin -skin contact, um, including direct contact with, with individuals who have a monkeypox rash, scabs, or, or body fluids from a person with monkeypox. Uh, it can be spread by touching objects, fabrics, clothing, bedding, towels, or surfaces that have been used uh, by somebody uh, with uh, monkeypox. Monkeypox is a vaccine. It's, it's similar to uh, smallpox. Uh, the, the vaccines have, have been developed. Uh, there's there's uh, some similarities. Um, so the, the vaccines has actually been around. So uh, monkeypox can be spread from pregnant women to their, their uh, fetuses through the placenta. It can be spread. Um, uh, from infected animals uh, if you get uh, scratched or, or bitten. Uh, there's still a lot of research uh, that needs to be done in, in terms of uh, other uh, manners in which it could be spread uh, through the respiratory droplets. Um, uh, a lot more needs to be um, investigated about that. Uh, some of the common signs, symptoms, fever, chills, swollen lymph nodes, exhaustion, muscle aches, back aches, headaches, respiratory symptoms such as a sore throat, nasal congestion, cough, and again, I mean, those, those symptoms can um, uh, be similar to uh, COVID symptoms and other symptoms. But, but again, individuals with monkeypox have characteristic skin rashes. Um, so we're going to do a whole dedicated show on that. But I want to just to ease uh, uh, a lot of your minds out there that not everybody has to, to rush out and, and uh, get vaccinated uh, for stroke. Now, we, we also... Um, as I said, we're going to be speaking about a, a very important stroke study that uh, especially pertains to uh, African-American males uh, who have had a stroke. 
and it's a way in which to prevent um, these individuals from having a recurrent stroke. Um, I want to mention we actually have a, a very special musical guest also, Mr. Ken Legrand, and uh, he's well known out in the community um, and nationally, the organization, uh, his band, uh, Horns and Things. Uh, he plays um, uh, with a friend of mine also, J.T. Lynch. Uh, they both play saxophones. They're phenomenal. I've had many opportunities to uh, uh, see these gentlemen uh, along with their other uh, jazz musicians uh, in person, live, up and close. And, and we're going to give you information as to how you can uh, see some upcoming performances uh, from Ken Legrand and Horns and things. So with that in mind, I'd, I'd like to bring on my co-host, uh, Mr. Jerome Brown and Jonathan Branch, who's a nurse at the Walter Reed Medical Doctor, Center. Good evening, on? everybody. Hey, how are you guys Dr. doing? Um, so uh, you guys ready for the fall? Oh, yeah, very ready. Very yeah, ready. I'm a fall yeah. baby, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, you know? okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm a summer guy. I, I miss swimming in the lake. I'm, I, you know, I need to get a wetsuit and, and prolong my ability to swim or something, you know, I love going out there. We don't want to hear about the speedos today, doc. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, as I said, I mean, we have a very special program about stroke. Um, and, you know, there, there are some startling statistics uh, about how stroke uh, disproportionately affects uh, African-Americans, minorities, but especially, um, you know, black men, uh, yeah, but absolutely. also black uh, women. So, African-Americans are 50% more likely to have a stroke, which is also called cerebral vascular disease, uh, as compared to their white adult counterparts. Black men are 70% more likely to die from a stroke compared to non-Hispanic whites. African-American women are twice as likely to have a stroke compared to non-Hispanic white uh, females. So, um, and there's some risk factors for this. We're going to get into that, a, a higher incidence right. of hypertension, hypertension, uh, heart disease, and some other things. Stress uh, contributes to it, uh, our diets, uh, physical activity, or lack thereof. Um, so, yeah, there, there are some um, um, signs that are associated with, with the individuals having a stroke. We're going to get into that as well. Um, the uh, monomic is... Uh, Fast, F-A-S-T, right. uh, fa facial drooping, arm weakness, speech difficulty, um, and time, which means you call uh, 911. So if you see somebody has a drooping generally on one side of their face, uh, arm weakness, difficulty speaking, um, and uh, time, um, you, that, that means you, you need to call 911 because you don't have a lot of time. Right. Um, you know, so... There's a lot of questions that people out in the community ask about stroke. How do you prevent a stroke? Um, what are some of the, the what some of what what are some foods that you can eat to uh, lessen your risk for developing strokes? You know, which foods are are more uh, prone to having you uh, uh, develop stroke? Um, so yeah, we're going to get into a lot of that. But um, yeah, why don't we go ahead and bring on um, our guest, um, Michaela Broadnax. Um, is uh are you there michaela yes I'm oh there, there she is yes yes so mm -hmm. uh michaela actually is a uh, the lead uh, um, study coordinator uh for a study again i i mentioned there's a study uh being conducted by um, case western it's in collaboration with university hospitals of cleveland metro health uh, medical center the physician uh, uh, pi is martha i always pronounce mispronounce her last name S Sajatovic. How do I pronounce that name? Tell, tell me how to best <laughs> pronounce that name. It's a hard name to pronounce. It is. Um, it's Martha Sajatovic. Okay. So tell her, I, tell her I, I said I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. <laughs> I think you said it pretty well. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, leave it as Martha, man. Just leave yeah, it okay. as Martha, Doc. That wasn't so hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I had a, a hard time pronouncing mnemonic. You know, so I'm not having a stroke, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but, uh, so, fast. but yeah, yeah, fast, so, yeah, yeah, so, fast, <laughs> 911. So, yeah, Martha and I actually, we, we've been working together for quite some time. I don't know, seven or 10 years on this stroke study. It's an NIH funded study. And, um, you know, again, this is a, a tremendous opportunity for black men out there in the community to take advantage of the opportunities that you're providing. So, Michaela, why don't you just go ahead and give our audience a, a an overview of what this study is all about. 
Yeah, so what the um, study is, so we're not testing any medications or doing any injections at all. So what we're essentially looking for is African-American men who's had a stroke in the past 10 years. Um, and we're looking for them. Um, we want to provide an educational intervention. So we take them through um, diet, um, talking to their clinician, maybe questions they might not have had before or knew to ask before. Um, and that is actually led by a peer educator who's another African-American man who's had experience in um, managing his stroke risk factors. So none of our peer educators are um, perfect candidates or someone that did everything right, but more so to speak from their own experience. Um, and so they do those sessions every two, every one, every other week um, for about five weeks. So the in, in order to be eligible, you have to be an African-American male. Um, 18 years or older, so you're not taking any adolescents or, or, or children. And, and unfortunately, adolescents, teenagers, and children uh, do uh, suffer from strokes, uh, unfortunately, but that's the sad situation. And the individual, the African-American male, 18 years or older, has to have already suffered from a stroke or a TIA, a transient ischemic attack, uh, within the last 10 years. So how many study participants are you looking to enroll? Uh, we're, in looking to, study? we're looking to enroll in 160 men over the next three years. Um, and right now we're at about 38. Okay. And, and so I'm looking at your flyer. So study participants will receive compensation for their time. They're going to receive a free blood pressure monitor and they're going to be able to complete virtually delivered intervention sessions in the comfort and privacy of their own home. So, um, and, and one of the main reasons why you and, and Martha and others are involved with this study, because as I mentioned before, um, black men, especially who have a stroke are at great, the greatest risk out of any group of other individuals from having a second stroke. And, Right. You know, with a recurrent stroke, your mortality increases, you know, dramatically, exponentially. Yes, that is um, true. Um, some of our guys have experienced multiple strokes. So we have one guy who had four um, just in one wow. year. And then we have a few that had two or more. Um, so that is the goal, like to prevent them from having a future stroke. Yeah. So, you know, Jonathan, you know, out there at Walter Reed, I'm sure you encounter as a, as a nurse, practicing nurse, you probably encounter individuals. I mean, I know that you, you do, uh, veterans, uh, military um, officials um, uh, who have had actually suffered from strokes and recurrent strokes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it, not, not, and not everybody recovers. Not everybody recovers. Now, most of the strokes that that I um, have had, um, <clears throat> don't worry, I'm not having a stroke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the uh, fast, fast, fast again. Most of the patients that I've had um, experience with in the cath lab who who have had strokes uh, also have what we call PFOs, and we and and we do do repair those. Um, but and I wanted to ask Michaela, how long is the study? Um, so participation for us is for a year. Um, so, it's, but it's also voluntary. So they're able to withdraw at any point as well. Okay. So, um, Jerome, um, you know, you're out there in the community. Um, you know, you've probably encountered or you, you know of people who have had strokes, suffered from strokes, Absolutely. died from strokes. Maybe Absolutely. some have recovered. You know, what, what are your thoughts about this topic? Well, first, uh, something that John said, I want to uh, we want to get an understanding on what is a PFO, so everybody uh, knows what that is. It, it's a it's a hole in the septum of the heart. Wow. Peyton uh, for Raymond O'Valley, and uh, people uh, can have it when they're born, and they can reach adulthood and not and and not know that they have it, wow. and uh, and they usually have a, a stroke that's the that's the first sign of of uh, of having it and, and if the person is fairly um is fairly healthy otherwise you know we'll do an echo on them do a bubble study if we see the the bubbles go go through the septum uh, we we can bring them into cath lab and and actually repair that um it's a 
Yeah. So, you know, there, there's I'll different types of stokes. Yeah. So there are yeah. different types of stokes. Um, and they especially are. in African-Americans, it's related to high, hypertension, uncontrolled high blood pressure. Yeah. Um, we've talked about hypertension before. We call it the silent killer. You can have high blood yeah. pressure, not even know that you have it. It just underscores uh, the importance of having a primary care provider, uh, getting your blood pressure checked uh, routinely. Um, and, you know, uncontrolled hypertension can cause not only stroke, but heart attacks, peripheral vascular disease, kidney disease, kidney failure, um, ED, erectile dysfunction in men. Uh, but then there's some strokes that can occur from cardiac arrhythmias that, that Jonathan was, was, you know, talking about where people can actually throw blood clots um, to their to their brain, mm -hmm. um, cuts off the blood supply, you know, blood flow um, to the brain. Uh, and again, that's just an indication um, that um, you, you can't waste a lot of time, you know, when you start experiencing uh, symptoms of stroke or if you notice that somebody else is experiencing, you know, symptoms of stroke. Um, individuals with diabetes, um, uh, the elderly, uh, as we mentioned, African-Americans, tobacco smokers, people with high blood pressure are at increased risk. Uh, people who lead, lead sedentary lifestyles um, consume high um uh, foods that are high in fat and, and salt and, and sugar. I mean, these are just some of the risk factors. Um, so, so the process, Michaela, if somebody wants to enroll out there in the listening audience, know somebody uh, who has had a stroke, a black male, 18 years or older, uh, within the past 10 years, or they themselves have had a stroke, what would be the, the protocol, the process where, where they can contact you to enroll in the study? Uh, again, you mentioned that they that it's a one-year participation, but how often would you be interacting with them? And, and what does that look like, that interaction? So for me, um, as the research coordinator, I'll be interacting with them every three months. Um, so we meet with them every three months. We have them take their blood pressure with their um, blood pressure monitor that they'll be able to keep after the study. So it'll be yours. We won't ask for it back. And so we just ask them a couple questions about their um, experience managing their stroke. And um, we ask a few questions just about their experience as an African-American man, um, just to get an idea of other risk factors that might be out there. Um, so I interact with them every three months. And then if they're interested in joining, they can just give us a call at our toll-free line, which is the one 819 004. That's great. One eight 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 one nine zero 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 four. So it's not uh, burdensome. It's not a ponderous. Uh, it's not intrusive. You're not calling them up on the phone or trying to get them to come into the office. You know, all the time. Or it's 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 to their um, for their benefit and their their family's benefit. Um, you're providing education and, and methods by which they can avoid having a recurrent stroke. Yeah, and a lot of it they get to do on their own. So the questionnaires that they fill out, they get to do that on their own. They have 48 hours. So whenever they can fit those questions in their day, and as long as they send us their blood pressure readings, um, they don't have to interact with us as much. So one thing, you know, Jerome and Jonathan, um, there, there's something called a research IRB. Um, and, and what that is, there are protocols that have been set up in, in hospitals um, involving um, human research subjects, um, internal review boards, you know, IRBs. And what that what these review boards do is they review all proposed research proposals, um, the protocols, the methodology to make sure everything is ethical, um, that um, the, the risk to the study participant is, is you know, minimal to none. Uh, and I say all this because you know, and we've talked about this before on the program, music and medicine, uh, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of distrust that uh, we as, as minorities and African-Americans have when it comes to an enrolling in research trials. And so, you know, these IRBs uh, are, are safeguards to, to help protect the community, uh, the research uh, uh, enrollee participant um, to make sure that this study is not going to do any harm to them. Uh, this is a, um, you know, educational. And, and again, it, it's been approved at the Metro Health uh, IRB, University Hospitals, um, and it's being directed out of Case Western Reserve University. So um, it, it's a funded study. Um, and, and so it's a legitimate study. Yeah, um, as it and, should be. Yes, yes. They should um, put those type of measures in for uh, regular citizens, quote unquote, because what happens is if I don't trust you, I'll never come in. 
Yes. You know, and, and I know, Michaela, you're having a challenge with getting these 100 and something people signed up. Like, where do I get these people from? They're not just walking through the front door. <laughs> but you guys have to be very creative in how you get your, your people to even study. Otherwise, what's the study? Right. Yeah. Yeah. How do they find out? Okay, I have a question for you. What are you guys doing um, different than the normal in order to get these people to be even interested in this study? So I think it's um, like you said, um, there's a distrust in um, some of us, especially the African-American community. Um, so it takes a lot. So we actually have to be out there. We have to be the face of the study. So it's not as easy as like putting a flyer up or just um, I don't know, calling them from, we we scan the electronic records. They might not want to talk to us. They don't know who we are. So it's really more so about putting our face out there, um, building that connection with them, letting them know, like, I'm helping you and you're also helping me. Um, so it's not about just what we want, what we're studying, what we need from you, but we make sure we try and provide them with snacks. We give them little trinkets along the way. We make sure that we compensate them. Um, a lot of them want, want to get their reading. Sometimes they want their um, blood labs and they have access to that stuff. So they're also getting something out of it as well. So, yeah, we, we've actually presented a lot of information um, and, and, you know, again, we, we hope, uh, and this, this will be rebroadcast, so we hope you and the listening audience will encourage others to go back and look at this rebroadcast if you're not able to see uh, the, the initial uh, broadcast, because, again, this is life-saving information yeah. uh, fast. Uh, but I think we should take a break now and bring in our entertainer, uh, Mr. Ken Legrand. Um, he is a saxophonist extraordinaire. I've had, as I said, I've had an opportunity to, to hear his music uh, several times. He's a, um, also a music uh, instructor, a music teacher. He, he uh, gives private lessons to youth and adults. Um, so, uh, Ken, are, are you there? Yes. Yeah, there he is. Yes, I am. There he is. How are you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, yeah, so, what's up, man? Hey, 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 hey. how are hey. you? Hey, Ken. Long time. <laughs> hey, right. They got me in school, man. So now I'm ready to party a little bit. So I'm ready. Okay, All right. Man. Okay. See, he even he even looks like a musician. You know, you, you can tell he's a musician just by the way he, you know, he has that presence. You know, <laughs> you know Ken and I were talking the other night. Uh, I was telling him, you know, how coming up in, in you know, um, in seventh grade, I was playing third part. Um as most of you know, there's a first part, a second part, a third part. Sometimes there's a fourth part. But I, I, I was, I looked to the, my, uh, my right, and I would see the first and second part trumpet players, and I got very angry because, you know, why am I playing third part? And so, the summer between seventh grade and eighth grade, I, I practiced literally four to eight hours a day in the summer, and the subsequent. Um, year i was first i was lead trumpet player in our jazz band and about a year after that uh, in in high school i, I was uh, i became first uh, chair um in the uh, high school wind ensemble so um there's a lot that you can learn uh, through music but i i was telling ken my regrets that i i when i made the decision to go into medical school and pre-med um i pretty much put my trumpet down i was all state uh, in indiana and i had to make a decision between music and medicine and Ken actually put everything in perspective. I mean, I, I've had regrets since I graduated some 40 years ago, 1979. Um, and, and Ken put it in a, in a certain perspective. I actually have my horn here. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to um, burden the audience by by playing it, you know, tonight. Um, Spares, Doc. Spares, yeah, please. I'm going to I'm going to spare you. You're going to hear Ken, a professional. You don't but, need but, me for music. <laughs> you could do it. <laughs> but hey, but Ken, what? holding it upside down. I know we're yeah. in trouble. <laughs> yeah. But Ken. Uh, <laughs> but, there you go. <laughs> but, but Ken, tell, tell the audience what you told me. It, it put, I'm telling you, it put everything in perspective. Well, um, yeah. You know, over the years, I've had students say to me, like students that were private students of mine, and I've been fortunate. A lot of them have gone on to some really great things. But um, the ones that aren't playing anymore, they might say, oh, Mr. Legrand, I'm so sorry. I haven't 
I haven't touched my instrument in years. I haven't touched it since I graduated. And I'll just tell them, as long as you got out of it what you needed while you were doing it, then that's fine. Look at you. You're a CEO or whatever it is that they're doing. You gain the discipline. See, that's the thing. Playing music isn't just about getting in front of people. There's it is Music is a discipline. Just like studying medicine is a discipline. The time that you put in, that spills over into other things. And so as a result of it, they developed the, the habit or the discipline of being able to stick with something and see it through. And, oh, well, I did this in practice. Oh, I practiced this for two and a half hours and I couldn't play it when I started. Now I have it. So same thing. You're in these books. And there's something that you might that might be giving you a tough time, but if you stick with it, it gets better for you. So that's the thing with with music, just playing, just being disciplined. Yeah, it it gives you um, an opportunity, like you said, to become disciplined. To uh, and when you play in a band, you get to develop a lot of friendships, um, and even a, an appreciate a better appreciation of music. Um, you know, not only the melodies, but the sub melodies and oh, right, the counter melodies, right? The counter melodies, yeah. I mean, it just uh, I, I think when I, I and I try to explain this to some non musicians, not everybody really understands it. You know, when I listen to music, I'm listening, and I don't know this for a fact, but I, I think I'm listening uh, in a different way because of my uh, background in music than maybe just you know what many people are listening. I, I'll, I'll never really know, but um. You know, I, I love music. Um, I listen to music on a daily basis. Um, you know, Jonathan and uh, Jerome, are you, do you guys play any instruments? I don't play a thing. <laughs> okay. I don't play anything. But I do love music, though. I like all all types of music. I mean, just just this weekend alone, I, I went to a, a Spanish concert. I went to a country concert Saturday, and I went to a classical concert on, on Sunday. So, oh, my, of, yeah. so, so my taste is very, very eclectic. Well, see, I, you know, I know some people that uh, they don't play a note and have never played yeah. a note, but they're yeah. fine music critics. Yeah. They know when it's good and when it's yeah. not. Absolutely. Yeah. They might not be able to tell you what chord progressions are going on, but they know when it's good and when it's not. Exactly. Michaela, how about you? Do you play, do you play an instrument, Michaela? No, I do not, and you do not want me to. <laughs> do, do, do you sing? How, do you sing? No, I cannot sing. I dance though. I dance in figure skate. So okay, oh, hey. okay, guess. but okay. <laughs> let me let's go to figure skating. My daughter was a competition skater when she was growing up. Okay, and I used to have to have her at the rink at five, little after five in the morning. I would come. That was when all I was doing was playing. So I'd come in from the gig. I'd stay up. I'd, we'd, I'd get her to school, get her to the rink, rather, get her to the rink, go back home, fix her hot breakfast, pick up her school uniform, take her to the, go back to the rink. I'd sit there and watch her for a while. Then she'd come off the ice. She'd get dressed, have her hot breakfast, take her to school. So one morning I was watching her at the rink. That was during the times when skaters had to do figures. They didn't just do freestyle. They had to do figures too. They had a scribe. They mark out, make mark out their stuff in the ice, and it would and it would be their edges. They'd have to work on their edges. I think is what yep. it was. And I'm sitting there one morning, and I, and I'm like, it just hit me. It was like, wow, this is like sitting in a room by yourself playing scales. It's the same thing. It's a discipline. It's a discipline. So. And, and, you know, when we don't afford our children the opportunity, and yet it's not easy for any parent to do that, to give opportunities like that, because ice skating is not cheap. I, I, we, had to do, we had to do one. I, I got a clarinet, a nice clarinet when I was young. That, I played that clarinet all the way through college. We had to buy skates. And you can't just walk into a sporting goods store and buy these skates. You have to get, you have to go. At that time, it was Nichols was the sporting goods place here. But, I mean, they were like 500 bucks a pair. And feet grow. Yes. You know, so one instrument could last a long time. 
But all I'm saying is it is a discipline. So if you were a skater, you know about it. Yes. I'll tell you what, you know, one of my favorite songs uh, comes from a movie um, called Ice Castles from the 70s or 80s. Uh, by Melissa Manchester, Through the Eyes of Love. I, I, I love that song. It's very relaxing. Um, I'm not, I don't, you're, you're a youngster, um, Michaela. You, I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. You, you may want to go back and watch that movie or listen to that music, Through the Eyes of Love. That, that's, a, that's a wonderful song. Um, so yeah, I actually, I yeah. played the trombone when I was in the third, fourth, and fifth grade. Oh, okay. man. Yeah, I, I did. And then I did a solo on stage, got a standing ovation. And never touched the trombone again in my life. <laughs> you should go pick pick it up. I again. Mike dropped on top. I did the Obama out. You know. Okay. <laughs> so Kim, it's too um, big, Doc. Yes. How you gonna walk down the street with this big thing, man? I gotta carry it on the bus. I gotta carry it down the street. Everybody else walking past me, and I got this big five foot case. It just wasn't working out, brother. Get, well, get, get, on a, the, get a trumpet. Get a trump smaller. When the day when the day comes that they're paying to come see you or hear you play. Then you'll find out it's worth it. You're right. right. My my cousin had me dying when we horns and things. We played. uh, We opened at the front row. We opened. It was like a a jazz concert. We opened at the front row, and my cousin came out and he said, "I never would have dreamed that all these years, all those years ago, that I'd be paying to come see you at the front row." Because he used to put his hands over his ears and say, (laughs) "Oh no, it's not supposed to sound like that." (laughs) So, um, Ken, now, how, how long have you been playing? Ooh, you had to ask that question. I've been playing since I was in fifth grade, and uh, I'm a long way from fifth grade now, okay. so a long time. Well, me, me too, yes. Yeah, so. yeah, a long time. Long. So you teach uh, a number of students. So so let, let's say a student would, you know, somebody's parents would, would call you up and say, you know, we want you to give lessons to our, you know, son or daughter. Um, what would be, what would be the, what would in, be entailed, uh, or what would happen in the first lesson when you, well, meet, you sit down and meet with that child? The first lesson, uh, I just try to get an idea of, I look at their embouchure. How is that? Some kids just naturally form a great embouchure. Some mm-hmm. kids don't. Some kids have a, a good core to their sound right off the bat. Some kids don't. Um, but that doesn't mean that it can't be developed if they don't. Um, I no, try and establish a, a, a good rapport with the student. Um, Lessons. For listening yeah. audience, what is an embouchure? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. The embouchure is the way you form your mouth. Now, on flute, they have an embouchure and an aperture. The aperture is the size of the hole because the flute is the only woodwind instrument that does not have a reed. A, the mm. flute is like tra- it's called transversal blowing. You're blowing across the hole, so you lose a certain amount of uh, air on the outside, and a certain amount goes in. And it's turbulence that creates the sound in a flute because it actually goes around like that. Okay. Wow. So, uh, like blowing in a pop bottle, it's similar yeah. to that. That's basically the concept. Okay. Um. Uh. So I teach uh, saxophone and clarinet predominantly. Um, I don't teach double reeds at all. You don't want to hear my double reeds. Not anymore. No, 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 no. You talk about oboe? Yeah, yeah, oboe, bassoon. No, you don't want to hear those anymore. No, no, that those days are gone. So how long would a typical lesson last, like for a beginning student, 30 uh, minutes? Or- yeah, a, half, a lesson is a half hour. Okay. Um, and uh, there's quite a bit that we can get accomplished in a half hour. And I think it's good for a younger student because they usually start like fifth grade. I've had some start a lot younger, um, uh, but usually they start in fifth grade. I've had some that have started like in third grade. Uh, And one was really kind of funny because she wanted to play saxophone so bad. And she came and she was just this little girl and she couldn't, she was a fifth grader, but she couldn't, she couldn't reach the keys. She was that small. So I told her parents, I said, well, why don't we try, why don't we start her on clarinet and then we'll take it from there. So I said, maybe in six months, if she grows, we'll be able to, so we, she went to Academy Music, she got a clarinet, 
And six months almost to the day, she came to me. She goes, all right, Mr. LeGrand, I've been playing this clarinet for six months. <laughs> I'm ready to play the saxophone. And, and believe it or not, it fit. Beautiful. You know, my my um, wow. two of my daughters played in the Shaker bands where, where right. you know, you, right. you're a teacher as well. And um, they, they both played uh, clarinet, um, you know, very, very exceptionally well. Uh, but also they were in jazz band and they they played saxophone so right. you can actually switch between they were in my jazz band too yeah, yeah. instruments yeah. yeah and and i have a lot of recordings uh, and and yeah. i i miss those days um so can you um so what what is a chromatic scale what, i mean what, what is a chromatic scale a chromatic scale is a scale that uses all of the notes on the instrument in order uh it's 12 tones and here I'll just play a chromatic scale for you. That's a one octave contra B flat chromatic scale. Okay, that's a chromatic scale also. So, but it's all of the notes and consecutively in order. Yes. Now we don't listen to uh, a lot of our songs, songs that you hear will have intervals and you won't hear a song that are, most songs don't run directly in chromatic. Some of them might have some chromatic movement though. Mm -hmm. So on the trumpet, <laughs> They're trying to get in. Come on, bring it. him up. That's it. That's it. That's the chromatic scale. Yeah, the chromatic scale. So they didn't. The audience didn't tune in, obviously, to hear me. But what, what do you have uh, for our listening audience to to enjoy? Um, I think I think I played a little bit of. Uh, I'll do a little bit of Killing Me Softly, if you guys would like that. If you don't I love that. All right. One of my Nice. All right. Nice. All right. Very nice. Very nice. You, hey. know, 
He started to get a little funky on the second go round, didn't he? Yeah. You start seeing he starts moving in his seat right there. <laughs> you know, they don't make music like that anymore. They really don't. I mean, I've always said that 70s music is the best. That was the best era. As far a, as there, you know, there's a lot of great eras in music. The other the one the, there's is one other thing though that I think um playing music as a young child or playing music when you're young. I, a couple things that I do think it helps you with. It definitely helps you with math scores. It definitely, I mean, I could tell you some stories that to me are just unbelievable things that I've seen. Um, and it, it helps you in science as well. But another thing that it does help you with is the selection of music that you listen to when you get older. Because a lot of the music, I, well, I don't want to say a lot, but there is some music and some genres of music that have just made it acceptable to call our women things that I don't think they should be called. Uh-oh. And here we go. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to get too deep. I'm not going I'm not going to go there, yeah. but all I'm saying I mean, all I'm saying is there was a time years ago um, and this was during a time when I was just playing music Full time. I wasn't at teaching. I wasn't in schools. I wasn't. Um, uh, uh, I'm. Di- I'm also director of a program at the music settlement called Jams. And to date, just to give you a quick commercial, to date, um, our students have received over just just from one college, from Berkeley School of Music. We're partnered with Berkeley School of Music in Boston. Hmm. And um, just from Berkeley alone, our kids have received over $3 million in scholarships. Gee whiz. Um, If I I went through all of the schools, I'm looking at we're approaching 10 to 12 mil. Seriously. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you mentioned you don't even have to be a music major to get some of these scholarships. Right, right, right. You don't. If you're good enough. See, and again, that's what I'm saying. As long as it serves you while you're doing it. There's kids that, and I'll tell them, like, Mr. LeGrand, you know. I don't have enough money to go to school. Well, you know, just find out if you're going to a small school, if you audition to play in the band, some, a lot of band programs, especially at a smaller school will give you money just to play in the band. You don't have to be a music major. Okay. So you might have a four or $7,000 gap in your tuition. You could potentially get it taken care of. And parents, it's, it's hard for some parents to understand paying for lessons on a weekly basis, but I'm like, look, you can pay me now or you can pay me later. If you, if you make that small investment, I mean, I, I hate to tell people what my lessons cost because back then they didn't, on today's standard, they didn't cost that much, but my parents had to scrape to make sure that that money was there mm-hmm. and it was always there. That came off the top. Okay. But they had the commitment in helping me do that. So as a result of it, when it came my time, I didn't have to shell out any money. So dad, mom and dad made that little bit of, they made that investment along the way. And they didn't have to make that big flop. Okay. You said, get that buck and a quarter off the, the dresser there, boy. Get on out of here. <laughs> get that dollar twenty-five off the. <laughs> well, it was a little more than that, but <laughs> but everybody's paid five. I used to pay five dollars for my. Yeah, I was I, I was three, and then it went up to three fifty, and it was like, yeah. <gasps> you, know? <laughs> yeah. you know, one thing I would recommend. You know, my, my mom was an elementary school teacher, and um, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate a lot of times. You know kids graduate and they never go back and see their old teachers or, or give them updates as to, you know, it all, every, everything start, starts with the teachers, no matter what profession you go into, whether you go into music, medicine, law, whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I think we, we all need to go back and, and update our teachers as to our progress and, and let them know that we appreciate, you know, what they've done for us. My, um, one of the passwords on my computer is, is Mr. Shalver. Who was your favorite um, high school uh, teacher, Mr. Schaffer. I had others, obviously. I don't want to uh, make anybody mad, you know, but but I, I still remember him to this day, Mr. Schaffer. Um, yeah. Tr- Newcastle Trojan Marching Band, you know. Yeah, I had so, a student. I had I have former students that stop in to see me quite frequently, and it, and we talk about it's amazing. I mean, I'm so happy to see him. Yeah. 
And I've had kids say, Mr. Legrand, you actually remember me? I said, yeah. I mean, they would just be a student <laughs> in the band. Oh, sure. You know, I, you played such and such. Mr. Legrand, you used to get on me, but I just appreciate it. I didn't appreciate it then, but I do appreciate it now. You didn't give up <laughs> on me. And you can't. You can't give up on them. I mean, yeah. you know, they're, they're, we're, they are, we have to look at them as an investment in our future. Exactly. Very much so. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I, I think um, at, at some point we're going to have some video of you, um, uh, one of your performances. Uh, but before we go back to Michaela, uh, tell us, uh, Mr. Legrand, um, what, what are some of the places you've, you've traveled, um, you know, uh, around the country and, you know, performing? Well, performing years ago, I was I was on the road a lot and um, uh, pretty much all the time. And uh, we used to play Daytona Beach. We played St. Louis. We played Miami. We played, um, we would go down to Florida and be down in Florida for a number of weeks. Played up in Greenland, the country Greenland. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, we played, we, we, we got off the plane in Goose Bay. Then we flew up to Greenland. We got off in Sandestrom. There was an air, we we're playing Air Force bases. There was an Air Force base in Sandestrom, which is Southern Greenland. We got off the plane. It was 54 below. I'm talking about thermometer. I'm not talking about the field factor. <laughs> so we were there two weeks. Then we flew north to Thule. You've seen the little car carriers, T-H-U-L-E. Okay, so we were in Thule. Thule was, I think it was 400 miles inside the Arctic Circle, 800 miles from the North Pole. And it was 72 below. It was the month of November, and it was dark the whole time. Land at a midnight sun. And it was dark the entire time. And uh, we rehearsed every day. I mean, it was every day. And uh, the group that I was with at that time grew a lot. Played St. Louis. We played uh, Nashville. We played Knoxville. We played just everywhere. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I it, it's been an incredible, incredible experience for me. And then... See, and the cool part about it is because I still do uh, quite a few performances. Um, it's easy for me to take a back seat and enjoy seeing my students be successful. Years ago, I read an article in this. It, was, it used to be a magazine called the Saxophone Journal. Hmm. And one they they had this thing in there it was uh, an article about um, uh, teachers and students. And it was like, you know, if your teacher is really dogging you and not treating you right or, you know, and just really just being mean and rude to you, look to see how much performance he's, how many performances that instructor is doing. Because yeah. some teachers actually get jealous when they see us. If, if it's a teacher that's really not performing and mm -hmm. these students are starting to get opportunities and perform and grow, they actually get upset. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why? You know, that's why they're here to, you know, and you're here to help guide them. So, you know, it, it's um, I would actually recommend that anybody, you know, look on the Shaker Heights uh, band website. And th these are uh, performances that the, the wind ensemble, the jazz band, the concert band um, um, provide, you know, for the for the uh, community free of charge. Uh, I would recommend that individuals go watch uh, these groups play. They're almost like professional uh, musicians uh, at the high school level. So Ken, where, where can uh, we find, uh, what, what's your next performance? How, how can somebody find out where your next performance is? Go see uh, it. Go on hornsandthings.com, hornsandthings.com. Okay. Um, also, one other thing, as I stated earlier, I am director of a program at the Music Settlement. Uh, it's called JAMS, J at sign M-S. Um, Somebody needs to tell me what the name of the at sign is. I know because I, I don't know. I just call it the at sign. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, this past week, I went to Dyke School. It's uh, uh, Cleveland School of the Arts lower campus. So it's like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I believe. And there's some talented kids there. There really is. And the principal is there is absolutely incredible. She's doing a, a great job. I really wish I'm, I'm actually trying to develop a partnership with them to help those students get lessons and get um, uh, 
things and trying to have them incorporated into my program as well. Um, but this is kind of an appeal for that school. They need funds. They need funds. They they have instruments, but the school itself could use a nice facelift, painting, just you know. I mean, and I look at these kids, and they're they're kids. They're I mean, they're our kids, and they're just they're children. And it doesn't matter where you live, how much money you make, you you deserve and you are owed a great education. That's something that we owe our kids. So give us the name of that program again. Uh, that, pro that school is Dyke. It's on, it's um, Cleveland School of the Arts, lower campus. And that's on the, that's what it says, Dyke School, CSA, lower campus. Okay. Um, and the music settlement is the same. They, you know, we have nice facilities and whatnot. But there's always, always, it could always use more money. If people donate to the music settlement, it's a nonprofit. It's been around over 105, 106 years. Uh, I was there when they had the 100th, 100, the 100th anniversary. Um, actually, it's been there longer than 106 years now. Um, but it's, it, they do, we do great work there. Classical music, early childhood is a great department. There's just so many things that and so many ways to to help your children grow and if everybody just gave a little bit that would help a lot i'll tell you right. what I, I took some lessons right. in 2017 2018 by uh lauren toplitz okay yeah. the music school settlement right and and the reason was is my daughter she my daughter sarah she went to the college of william and mary she was in their right. uh their wind ensemble they had an opportunity to go on a european tour and without me knowing, uh, because when I graduated high school, I had opportunities, I think four or five opportunities to tour Europe, uh, jazz band, went ensembles, you know, concert bands. My, my family couldn't afford it. $750 for a two week uh, tour in Europe, we couldn't afford it. And without me knowing, some 40 years later, uh, my daughter, Sarah, asked her uh, um, concert uh, wind ensemble director if I could join the band and, and play trumpet. And uh, he oh, said boy. yes. And so... I, I actually, 2018, I, I was able to tour um, um, Europe, uh, United Kingdom, um, with the uh, Women Mary uh, Wind on Ensemble. Wow. We actually played a concert um, in London uh, on the day that uh, William, or, um, no, Harry and Meghan Markle uh, got married. So, okay. Um, so it, it, it brought me to tears when I found out that my daughter had actually uh, asked um, the conductor if I could play without me knowing. Wow. So... Yeah, at the close of the show, we're going to um, have a, um, a video of you performing. Um, but I wanted to bring Michaela back in uh, before we close the show also. Um, again, uh, Michaela, what's that phone number where men can enroll in your study? African-American men 18 years and older who have had a stroke. That will be 1-888-819-0004. And, and you also have an email also. Yes. Yeah, so the email will be in Bach. So N as a Nancy O, wait, N Bach, N B O C at uhhospitals.org. And so this is an IRB approved study. Um, it's a validated study. It's a co uh, collaborative between UH, Metro Health, Case Western Reserve University. Um, and again, it, it's, it's, we're, we're trying to reach um, African American men who have had a stroke within the past 10 years. Um, it, it's, um, non-invasive. Uh, there are some benefits. I don't see any downside to this at all. I don't see any downside. Yeah. You know, so if you're out there in a listening audience, if you know somebody who's had a stroke within the last 10 years, African-American male, if you yourself um, have suffered from a stroke, you know, please pick up the phone. Uh, this can this can help help you live longer and help you avoid having a recurrent stroke. Um, but no, we, we really appreciate you being um, with us. Um, there were some questions. Um, I'm just going to blow through these real quick that some people had asked um, what kind of exercises can help you uh, lower your risk um, uh, from having a stroke of uh, low intensity activities, walking, gardening, uh, yard work. Um, um, actually, this is um, an interesting question. Um, um, does napping, and I've never heard this, uh, does napping, uh, is it a, um, does it increase your risk for developing stroke? Um, it says, um, 
individuals who nap uh, regularly, their risk for hypertension goes up by 12% and the risk of stroke goes up by 24%. I never heard of that. The risk of ischemic stroke goes up by, by 20%. Uh, what time of day do strokes normally occur? Um, more often they're associated between the hours of 6 a.m. and noon. Uh, six foods that can help prevent stroke, fruits, vegetables, whole foods, salt-free spice, fish, lean protein, water. Um, th these things can actually help uh, prevent stroke. Eating foods that are rich in omega-3, uh, such as fish, flaxseed, omega-3 rich eggs, um, you know, salmon, mackerel, sardines, herring. Uh, these are some of the, the foods that the American Heart Association, Stroke Association, uh, recommends drink a lot of water, uh, says it will reduce your risk uh, of stroke by 50, 53%. That's from a low Belinda University study. Um, foods that can trigger a stroke, processed foods that contain trans fat. Look on the label for trans fat, junk foods, crackers, chips, fried foods, um, smoked and processed meats, table salt, so yeah, th th that's just some of the information that I think we want to disseminate out to the listening audience. But again, I mean, this is a tremendous opportunity um, for, for, for people to um, um, participate in, in this stroke study. So uh, Jerome, um, Jonathan, any closing remarks? Hey, you well, running that list off of foods, man. I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think a lot I of us are. Chips. I had some chicken yeah. yesterday, man. <laughs> Yeah. Baked chicken, chicken today, I guess, is the way to go. Chicken tomorrow, man. We 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 gotta do something else, man. Michaela, yeah. you got any advice for us, please? I I listen to the list too. I'm in trouble too. I I go to those <laughs> intervention and group sessions, and I'm sitting here like encouraging the behavior, but I do the exact opposite. So <laughs> no, but seriously, do you have any um, words of advice? Any factoids? Any interesting things that we may know that may help anyone that's listening? I think just trying something new. I, I think a lot of our guys, they don't like the idea of going to this group um, with other guys and feeling like they have to talk. They don't want to be vulnerable. They don't want to um, feel like they're like upset or like emotional about their stroke or what happened to them. I think trying it is always best. We have some guys who might skip the first session, but then they come to the second one and it's like, dang, why didn't I come to the first one? They end up having a time with our life. So I really do encourage, like, if it sounds scary, just try it out. Just give us a call and it's voluntary. You can leave at any time. Hey, are you guys set? Uh, do y'all have chips and crackers there? We can get you <laughs> chips. We can get you crackers. <laughs> we have a lot of early, John. <laughs> we give all gift cards, yep. too. So <laughs> we have a lot of Causing it is you can't give it out, man. <laughs> we make sure a lot of it is sugar-free. So <laughs> and we so, try and encourage water. So get your blood pressure checked, get your lipids checked, your your triglycerides, your cholesterol. Yeah. These are these, you know, get checked for diabetes, know your family medical history. Um, you know, there's evidence that um stroke is, is more prevalent um you know in, in families as well. And that's because of higher incidence of hypertension, diabetes. So again, this has been a very informative program. Uh, we're going to close it out uh, with the uh, fantastic uh, music of Mr. Ken Legrand. And we'd like to thank uh, Ken for being with us, uh, Michaela, um, and to, for thank disseminating you. this information about this life-saving stroke program. So I hope everybody has uh, learned something this evening and enjoyed, uh, I, I learned a lot and, and, and enjoyed, uh, you know, the music from uh, Mr. Ken Legrand uh, from Horns and Things. So, Thank you. Let's close it out with uh, Ken. And also, but real quick, I'd like to thank uh, Kayhawk Two Productions. Um, you know, Mr. Mr. Russell Johnson uh, for yes, producing sir. this program, and, and uh, also Mr. William Reed. Indeed. So thanks, everybody.
great. <laughs> uh, amazing. So, so thanks everybody. Ken Legran, Michaela Broadnax, Russell Johnson, Kayhawk Two Productions, Jerome Brown, Jonathan Branch. Thanks for being with us, uh, listening audience, and stay tuned for our next program, Music and Medicine. Thank you. See you next time. Me. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Good night. Good night. Good night.